meeting today's challenges with yesterday's experiences. Senior wisdom is your opportunity to take in wisdom gained by our elderly population and apply this insight to your own life. It's a time machine of sorts, sending you back to challenges of pre-millennia days and places that stretch across the globe. Ed Bonner is a man of integrity. His root values were learned in his home and were easily transferred into the community where he lived. Growing up in a foothill community of Northern California, Ed became an Eagle Scout and found himself participating in high school athletics. His athletic performances earned him a scholarship to the University of California in Berkeley. He shares a story of a time in college when he was told to tell a potential summer employer that he had surveying experience when really he did not. Ed stuck to his scruples and told the truth. You probably guessed it, he didn't get the job, but he found summer employment elsewhere that lasted his entire college years. Today, Ed is the elected sheriff of Placer County, California. Now he impresses on all personnel under his command that truthfulness is not a transitory trait. It is important to always be truthful to ourselves and one another. These traits will also serve each of us when the unexpected and uncontrollable circumstances occur in our futures. Senior Wisdom is ready to share another golden nugget. So adjust the volume on your laptop or handheld device and soak into a conversation with Ed Bonner. Well, this is a wonderful view of Auburn. I've never seen it quite from here. I'm sitting in Ed Bonner's office. He's the sheriff in Placer County in California, a small, rural, sort of bedroom community just outside of Sacramento, California. Ed, thank you and offering to be with me this morning. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. You have quite a position here of sheriff, and you've done this for quite some time. Have you grown up in this area? Yeah, I grew up uh, not far from here in Loomis, California, and... Uh, I, when I reflect back, I had a wonderful childhood. Yeah, oh, that's great when we can remember those, yeah. <laughs> those, great, uh, those great memories. Can I ask your age? I'm 62. be 63 in June. All righty. You've certainly done well for yourself. You're probably looking at retirement in a few years here. It's Actually, I'm just uh, was uh, running for office again for oh, this office. Oh, is I, that right? And no one ran against me, so basically I'm reelected for another four years. Wow. Well, um, evidently you're doing a great job. <laughs> Everyone we is hope content. So. We yeah. hope so. It's a tough world at times out there. Yes, it is. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about your... Oh, the days of high school when you uh, you were quite an athlete from the sounds of it. Uh, yeah. Maybe you can, we can start there. Uh, sharing that experience of how you participated. Well, I was uh, like many young kids, you know, growing up uh, in the area. And uh, kind of a late bloomer, I guess, you know, through my grammar school years. I had a hard time, you know, walking and chewing gum, as we said. But, uh, <laughs> and got into high school and uh, began to develop. I found out I had a little bit of speed. And could run pretty fast. And uh, so I played football, basketball, and track, and it was a simpler time. We didn't have the big playoff systems that they have now and all the pressure on kids to focus on one sport. So we just moved seamlessly from one sport to the next to the next. And then you had summer, summer vacation. So I was good enough. I, I still actually hold uh, several high school track records 45 years later. And uh, so What did you run? I ran the uh, 440. Well, I, I remember coming out of that fourth uh, curve. Oh. <laughs> actually, the third curve hurt me. <laughs> That's it. That's <laughs> On the it. quarter mile. <laughs> Absolutely. They, they say you hit the wall. So, uh, But my, my track experience... Uh, 
and you know my academic experience had some wonderful mentors and teachers and coaches and and wonderful family environment but I was offered uh, uh, a track and football scholarship actually football scholarship to the University of California at Berkeley and then what they did they moved it over to track uh, and it was basically I would be a twofer for them. I would be a two-sport athlete for mm -hmm. them. I would play football and run track, but they would be able to give another football scholarship out. So Was that common at that time? Uh, no, there weren't too many people that uh, I, I don't think that could, could do a two-sport. Uh, there were about four of us at Cal Berkeley my freshman year that were going to be uh, football and track athletes. Yeah, well, they... They didn't overlap that much, but the, and yeah. one supported the other. Maybe in, in the end run, that might have actually been pretty. It might have worked. It did yeah. for some, but you know. Then you also had it, uh, still today is you had spring ball right in the middle of track season. So, oh. <laughs> so there were okay. some issues there. But uh, but that was the original plan, and as you well know, the plan becomes obsolete the minute you try to put it into play. Right. <laughs> now, yeah. Put it in life, and Murphy's law takes effect. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, now in 1969, mm -hmm. you were sharing with me. Uh, a story about a summer job possibility. Yeah. What happened? Well, that all tied into the uh, California experience, so the Berkeley, California experience. Uh, as, as we had talked, uh, my parents' philosophy was your summers were your own. Uh, you didn't have to work unless you wanted something over and about. We were, it was a blue-collar family. Both parents were teachers, uh, six kids in the family. But my, my brother loved cars, and so he, would, he worked, so that was his thing. Most of us, on the other hand, we just enjoyed the summer, knowing that you know this idyllic existence would be over once you were out of high school. And sure enough, uh, 1969 rolled around. I graduated. Time to go out into the real world. And uh, the University of California had called me at the, through boosters back in the day, and they said that we have a great summer job for you because you're going to be a football player. I said, great. Tiger Construction Company, great. I mean that. They're a, that's a big construction. Yeah, it was a big company, company then. Still big is. company now, and uh, I said that's wonderful. So they say you're going to get a call from them, and they're going to ask you if you know anything about surveying. I said, well, but I, I don't. He said, no, just tell them you do, and then you got the job. That's all you got to do. You'll get a call from. They're going to ask you about surveying. Say you know, and you got the job. So they hung up. Were they pretty adamant about that? Were they no, saying, was, you know, you need to say yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can yeah, do yeah. that. I can do anything. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that's that was problem number one, I guess. <laughs> 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 you know, I, uh, I had mentioned that uh, I, my family background, I, I'm an Eagle Scout. So, you know, I had this, I had this whole honesty thing going <laughs> for me or against me, I guess. Depends how you look at it. But uh, sure enough, they called. And this is June after I graduated. And they called and they Hey, how are you? Good. He goes, oh, I understand you're going to play football for Berkeley. Yeah. He goes, oh, that's great. We'd love to have you here at Tiger. Do you know anything about surveying? And I just... Oh, boy, the oh, time it's gone. Exactly. This is a, you know, it's a real pivotal point in life. You, we, we look back on things, you go, well, that wasn't that important. But in a way, it was. And I, I said, no, I don't. The guy was just shocked. He goes, well, we can't hire you. I go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. No. Uh, so I'm a really good student. I'm, a, I'm very smart. I'm a quick learner. I can learn. He goes, well, if you don't have experience, we can't hire you. And I said, well, if I if you don't hire me, how can I get experience? Yeah, oh, that's the circle, the circle that we all talk exactly, about. Exactly, that circular argument. And uh, I didn't get the job. You did not get the job. No, I, I, they said, we can't use you because I basically wouldn't lie. Yeah. So now here I am. And again, our family rules, basically, summertime, you got to go to work. So... 
back in 1969, there wasn't a lot of job opportunities for young people. There wasn't the same food industry, I guess, is when later kids would get starts. We, there wasn't much, it wasn't fast foods there, uh, but there was the fruit shed in Loomis, a couple of fruit sheds, and that, it, Loomis in the day was a big fruit producing community. So you're, you're not talking about a restaurant uh, type of business, you're talking about getting out in the fields. Well, not in, in the sheds, and in the sheds we would load boxcars and trucks with boxed fruit, packed fruit, to be shipped back east all over the world. and. Uh, then in the afternoon, the farmers would bring in their, their lug boxes of fruit, and we would unload that into a cooler where it was eventually packed, and we would load those on boxcars and trucks. Yeah, good exercise for a football player. Oh, it was great. <laughs> I take it you got that job. Well, what happened so is I, I went up there. I walked up there that day. We lived uh, less than a mile from the fruit shed, and I walked up there because we didn't have a car, and there was a man named Harold Struble and he ran the fruit shed in the day. And a lot of my friends had already had jobs with that crew. And you gotta remember, that those jobs were filled earlier in the summer because the fruit started coming in. So I'm Johnny come lately. And I went up and I saw Mr. Struble, and I said, Mr. Struble, my name is Ed Bonner. And he goes, well, I know who you are. I said, well, sir, I said, I, is there a job I can have? And he looked at me and he said, do you have any experience? And I went, darn, I said, <laughs> experience thing again. Here it goes again. And I said, no, I said, but I'm, I'm a hard worker and I'm really smart and I'll learn. And he, he looked at me and go, you come back at, uh, come back at noon. We'll put you to work. And so I worked there the next three summers uh, during my college years. And I remember it was, uh, I think I started off at $1.60 an hour. We worked six and a half days a week and anything over 55 hours was overtime. Oh yeah. boy, things are a lot different. A lot different now. now. But, uh, but you know what? It was, I was so appreciative, uh, learned a lot uh, through Mr. Struble about you know, managing people and getting people to, to work hard and enjoy their work. And it was a great experience. Did you ever regret uh, surveying? You didn't get the chance. No, you, know, you always wonder about that, but I just can't even imagine, even today, when I reflect back, I can't even imagine going into a place of employment, having lied, and suddenly the opportunity for someone to expose you as a liar. Well, what, what do you mean you don't have it? Well, no, they just told me to say, yes, I did. You know, I couldn't, I don't think I could do that. So I, I don't regret it at all. I'm often glad that Mr. Struble, the late Mr. Struble, uh, gave me a job. Yeah, gave you an opportunity. Gave me an you opportunity. were a hard worker. You're yeah. willing to learn. I mean, that's one of the things these days. We uh, sometimes are uh, we don't learn easy. We we tend to want to do things our way yeah. only. <laughs> so how did you? This lends itself well to being becoming a sheriff. I mean, you are in the public's uh, view all the time, and mm -hmm. you have a very important job. So your integrity is uh, must be very high on the list. Well, interestingly enough, that the. Uh, the law of California has that the peace officer, deputy sheriff or police officer, has the highest expectation of honesty and integrity. The highest, uh, above teachers and judges. Those are three that case law consistently points out. And so over the years, in my last 40 years in the business, I have studied you know, ethical behavior. I, I'm an instructor in ethics at uh, Sierra College and uh, a couple other courses I do, but amazingly enough, even one of the, the, some of the data I've seen is that the primary reason that peace officers lose their job, dishonesty. Ah, oh, interesting. And it's, it's, it's as simple as uh, saying you worked overtime when you didn't, from falsifying a timesheet, 
to perjury. I mean, there are some big things, and it's right, not. Right. Again, we don't. We're not talking about the large majority of peace officers. They're doing a great job. They're working very hard. They're like me in the fruit shed. They just are busting their butts day and night in a very dangerous job, doing the best they can with tons of integrity. But those that slip off, those that fall off, those that we have to weed out of the business, it really comes back to just a matter of integrity and honesty. And, and that really starts way back. I mean, the little things mean the big things. Mm -hmm. So saying no to that surveying job was a s relatively small thing in the grand scheme of things. Right. But it really reflected a hugely important lesson on a demonstration of being truthful to yourself. I mean, it, it's of no value, I think, to accept a job that we can't do oh, because I, I, it I doesn't would, end up successful anyhow. I would be mortified. Yeah. I would, I would embarrass my family, and that was very important to me. It still is. Um, you know, when you think back on that, I've always, in, in my studies, I, that values are what we put worth on. They're what make us who we are. We get them from our family, our faith, our community, our friends, our work, all those things. But our ethics is the application. One is our philosophy, our values are our philosophy. Our ethic behavior is the application of that. And if they're not congruent, then you got problems. If, if, my, if, I, if I tell you, I, I am an honest person and I will tell the truth, and then an opportunity presents, I tell the truth or tell a lie, I, and I tell a lie, that's just totally incongruent. So I don't think, again, back as a 18-year-old kid, I, I would have had a great philosophical discussion with you, but I just knew it was wrong, inherently wrong, and I would embarrass my family and mm -hmm. myself. Well, it was a strong value in your family. Mm -hmm. So our wisdom today seems pretty obvious. Well, I think so, and I, I think back on, I think it was Abraham Lincoln who said, no man has a good enough memory to be a good liar. <laughs> and, and if you think about that, the, the, the matter is that the truth shall set you free, and, and it is what it is. Sometimes it's hard. Uh, to say things that are true, uh, and, and sometimes I'm not saying that we do. I mean, if my if I ask my wife if these pants make my butt look big, and if she says no, they don't, that's fine. I'm okay with that. that <laughs> we uh, have all the... evidence to the contrary, right? <laughs> so, right. but at the same time, I think that we in the important things in life, uh, the truth is paramount. You just it, it's easy to remember. It is what happened. You don't have to make up another lie to cover the first lie, to cover the second lie. Yeah. And I think that's just important. It just goes on and on. Mm -hmm. So in application today, I, 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 we can take that into our personal lives within our families, being truthful with one another. Yes. Because family unit is extremely important in my view, and I, mm -hmm. I know in yours as well. Yeah. But also in the workforce, to uh, present yourself the way you really are, right. not worrying about whether you're going to get the job or not. Because if you get the wrong job, you're going to be out the door pretty quick anyhow. Yeah. It doesn't serve anybody. And, no. uh, and, and I don't know, there are other aspects of society where truthfulness becomes paramount. Here particularly, again, when you look at this job I've been doing for 40 years now and, and the people that I supervise, and we put men and women, deputy sheriffs, correctional officers out in harm's way every night. And horrible things can happen. I mean, this is one group in our society. Our society has said you have the ability to take a human life on your own judgment in, a, in the blink of an eye. And when, when those things happen, you have, to, uh, you have to believe and you have to have complete and utter honesty from the officer involved. What happened? That's a huge question. What happened? And 
there's a whole series of things that you know can go wrong on those things. And um, I just think it's so paramount that if this is the job I have as the leader of this organization, and if I don't have that honesty to model, you got to walk the walk, I guess is another way to put it, that how can I expect my people to be honest, if, if again, you're not going to model the behavior. My dad modeled the behavior. My mother modeled the behavior. My teachers modeled the behavior and coaches. So so I think that that's, that's a big part of what we pass on generation to generation. You are or you aren't. You're honest or you're not. And, and there's a great quote from a case called Paulino versus San Diego. It's one of the, the major cases of dishonesty. And, public safety, and I use it a lot as a coaching point, but, but the, the court held that the truth is not a transitory trait. And I love that. It's, <laughs> it's not a transitory trait. You either have it, you don't. And if you're willing to depart from it, to stray from it, then that's, that's who you are. Yeah. Well, those are actually, those are comforting words, I think, because uh, there's a lot of actual happiness in the truth a lot of times even though a, a truth out there may be something that's in the short term a sad circumstance but in the long term you're facing it and you're right. you're dealing with it right. and you're moving on it's not a stagnant point right so ed thank you for for senior wisdom this morning i i know there are a lot of people listening that will will take all this to heart and and changing their lives or maybe reinforcing what they already know. I suspect that people who are going to be listening to this are going to be reinforcing what they already know and I'm happy to be a part of it. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome.